Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll talk about education, public education uh, in Florida. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, who's the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich will be joining us, as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Look forward to these conversations. It is February the 4th, and on this day in 1974, Patty Hearst, the 19-year-old granddaughter of newspaper publisher William Randolph Hearst, was kidnapped from her apartment in Berkeley, California, by three armed strangers. Her fiancé, Stephen Weed, was beaten up and tied up uh, along with a neighbor who tried to help. Witnesses reported seeing a struggling hearse being carried away blindfolded, and he was put in the trunk of a car. Neighbors who came out in the street were forced to take cover after the kidnappers fired their guns to cover their escape. What an unpleasant day that turned out to be. Three days later, the Symbionese Liberation Army, SLA, a small left U.S. leftist group, announced in a letter to a Berkeley radio station that it was holding Hearst as a prisoner of war. Four days later, the SLA demanded that the Hearst family give $70 in foodstuffs to every needy person in Santa Rosa to Los Angeles. <laughs> what an absurd request. Anyhow, this done said to the SLA negotiation would begin for the return of uh, Patricia Hearst. Randolph Hearst hesitantly gave away some $2 million in food worth of food the SLA then called this inadequate and asked for $6 million more. The Hearst Corporation said it would donate the additional sum if, indeed, Patty was released unharmed. In April, however, the situation changed dramatically when a surveillance camera took a photo of Hearst participating in an armed robbery in San Francisco. She was also uh, spotted during a robbery of a Los Angeles store. She later declared in a tape sent to the authorities that she had joined the SLA of her own free will. On May the 17th, Los Angeles police raided the SLA's secret headquarters, killing six of the group's nine known members. Among the dead were SLA leader Donald DeFries, an African-American ex-convict who called himself General Field Marshal Sinke, Patty Hearst, and two additional SLA members wanted for the April bank robbery were not on the premises. Finally, on September the 18th, 1975, after crisscrossing the country with her captors or co-conspirators, for more than a year, Hearst, or Tanya, as she called herself, was captured in a San Francisco apartment and arrested for armed robbery. Despite her claim that she had been brainwashed by the SLA, she was convicted on March the 20th, 1976, and sentenced to seven years in prison. She served 21 months before sentence was commuted by President Carter. After leaving prison, she returned to more routine existence and later married her bodyguard. She was pardoned by President Clinton in January 2001. You may recall the big, uh, this was a, called the Stockholm Syndrome when somebody was brainwashed and actually uh, identified with their captors. Anyhow, Patty Hearst, what a strange story that turned out to be. Well, it looks like coronavirus is on the retreat reaching its peak around January the 11th and two weeks since the peak. It's been all downhill with cases, percent positive, emergency room visits, and hospitalizations dropping substantially. The national case curve is down 43.6% down from January the 11th. That's the seven-day average peak. The inpatient COVID uh, hospital census peak was on January the 12th, we're down now 25% since then, and deaths are down 7% from the January 13th peak and should accelerate downward. Of course, that's one of the following indicators. We've been surprised before, but this really looks like the end of the virus. Every region of the country is declining in every metric, and yet the media seems desperate to keep the bad news and fear going. Where we even see headlines about surging cases, surging while down 43%. That doesn't make any sense. 
vigilance and is great, but we can't celebrate these numbers. When uh, when can we celebrate? We should be able to. Could it be the media or other Democrats fear that the crisis not to waste window is closing? Even the Naples Daily News, uh, the information is is, uh, conspicuously absent from the Naples Daily News. No more reports on daily cases. Why is that? Probably because it's not bad news. In any event, it would be great to see this coming to an end. Uh, The FBI and the firearms industry reported Tuesday that sales and background checks smashed through past records as people grew increasingly worried about the new Biden administration in the Second Amendment. It will impose gun controls. When adjusted for just uh, gun sale background checks, the National Shooting Sports Foundation said that the increase over 2020, same month in January, was 75.2%. While not an exact count, the numbers generally track the sales. FBI records show that 4,317,000 background check applications came in, a 60% increase over January 2020. It also includes checks for concealed carry permits and other gun issues. That's pretty interesting. So any time that you see any kind of threat around the Second Amendment, people start buying guns. Well, we keep hearing about Nancy Pelosi in the White House that it's urgent and has an emergency that Congress passed $1.9 trillion spending bill. There isn't a moment to lose. Uh, You know, school, police, departments, hospitals, orphanages, all running out of money. But how urgent can this package be when the House Budget Committee uh, have discovered that feds have still haven't spent a trillion dollars of the money that's already been pledged and already been passed according to law? One trillion dollars. As scored by the Congressional Budget Office, the total stimulus in acts over the last year amounts to $3.7 trillion. More than a trillion of it is still available. For example, uh, allocated for the Paycheck Protection Program, $280 billion. Health Spending, $239 billion. Uh, unemployment Insurance, $172 billion. Lots and lots of money still available, over a billion, trillion dollars. And uh, yet, they're going back to the trough trying to get another $1.9 trillion. Why don't we just take the money that's currently available, divide it up among the people that are eligible, and just send it out to them and be done with it? Trump-hater Liz Cheney, the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney, served as Republican House Conference Chair, the third highest Republican position in the House of Representatives. Two weeks ago, she voted to impeach President Trump without due process or bogus charges. Based on lies that he uh, he started a riot at the Capitol on January the 6th, she announced her decision on House Conference Chair stationery. By the following week, Liz Cheney already had two primary opponents in Wyoming. Yet despite uh, President Trump's record successes and popularity with Republican base and the House GOP leadership refuses to remove Cheney as the conference chair, right now her popularity, according to the uh, polls in Wyoming, is about 13% of her constituents. That's not so good. Uh, On Wednesday, Matt Getz uh, said that the uh, Republicans in the House have a good chance of removing Liz Cheney, but uh, they failed. And she still holds that position in the House in her leadership role. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has spoken at length about her experience during the Capitol Hill riot on January the 6th. From her live Instagram videos, it seemed that she was in the front line facing down Trump-supporting rioters in the halls outside her office. But as it turns out, Ocasio-Cortez wasn't in the Capitol at the time of the assault in Congress. She was in her office in another building entirely. She's a uh, congressional office is in Cannon Office Building, according to her website. Her Washington, D.C. address is 229 Cannon uh, HOB. The Cannon HOB is accessible by uh, tunnel. Now the new hashtag right now responding to these uh, to, uh, on Twitter is Ocasio-Cortez Smollett. It's trending on Twitter. Pretty amazing. Well, the Biden White House's response to the unfolding coup in Miramar has been described by insiders as chaos, including fears over angering the Chinese Communist parties in response. As reported by Political, people close to the Biden administration have been frustrated by the response. People familiar with Biden's administration's internal deliberations said that the U.S. officials appear to be frustrated by the developments, not least because of which the timing and was scrambling to figure out how to coordinate, respond, domestically as well as internationally, and whether to call 
what happened, a coup, or describe the scene as chaos. And of course, they're very concerned about how uh, the Chinese might respond to all this. Officials fear that the White House call, calling the military takeover a coup could anger China and uh, force the United States to withdraw foreign aid. Can't believe we'll wait until something really important comes up uh, in, for this administration. By the way, the United Nations stepped in. Secretary General Antonio Guterres pledged on Wednesday to mobilize enough international pressure on Myanmar's military to make sure that this coup fails as the UN Security Council tries to negotiate a statement on the crisis. Finally in this segment, Senator Rand Paul challenged President Joe Biden's Education Secretary nominee on his statement, uh, is it appropriate to allow boys to compete in girls' sporting events? (laughs) Once he got his response, Senator Paul said, what planet are you from? During a confirmation hearing on Wednesday, the Senate committee that oversees education, the Kentucky senator asked Miguel Cardona if he thinks it's fair to allow boys claiming to be transgender to participate in girls' sports and about how it affects girls competing in those athletic events. I think it's appropriate, Cardona replied. It's the legal responsibility of schools to provide opportunities for students to participate in activities, and this includes students who are transgender. What planet are you from? Unbelievable. Well, this is the new policy now with the Biden administration sexual confusion and all the things like this is just uh, just another aspect of President uh, Joe Biden. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning uh, company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a new uh, performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting 
gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is a co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance, and it's just doing great things for public education in uh, Florida. Keith Flaw, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots coalition of now well over 100 groups. Um, we have 110,000 people that are active in our database. Uh, that's up from about 60,000 at the beginning of 2020. Wow. And we focus on K-12 through education reform issues, uh, things like advocating for uh, school choice uh, and getting rid of the indoctrinations in our public schools. And there's a lot of that going around. I just did a story uh, at the end of the last segment about uh, transgender athletes participating against uh, women. It's just unbelievable what's coming from this administration. So we need, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that we need the shelter of the good logic that you bring to public education here in Florida. So uh, this is the committees are meeting. We're getting ready to file bills and uh, for uh, the new legislative session. Any update? Yeah, a couple of exciting things going on. Um, yesterday in the Florida Senate, uh, they passed six to four along party lines, a uh, scholarship, um, educational scholarship programs bill. It's a massive bill. It's 158 pages. So if you ever can't sleep some night, it's a good, good opportunity to read a really extensive bill. But it, what it does is it, it consolidates. Uh, we have uh, six different scholarship programs here in Florida. We have the two tax uh, tax credit and family empowerment scholarship. This bill consolidates the tax credit scholarship into the F family power scholarship, which um, there were some issues last year where large corporations were refusing to fund uh, the tax credit scholarship because some of the private schools were refusing uh, to um, teach LGBTQ content in the, in the, some of the faith-based private schools. So this is a move to take that opportunity away from um, the, these large corp, uh, you know, progressive large corporations and move it into the Family Empowerment Scholarship. So it's a really good deal. Um, another major thing it does is to, we have two scholarship programs today, the McKay Scholarship and the Gardner Scholarship, which are oriented towards disabled students, mm -hmm. challenged students. And this consolidates them into a joint uh, single um, scholarship program called the McKay Gardner, but it's one program now with one set of rules uh, for application, et cetera. Well, that sounds and then the, th the, the other big thing it does from our perspective is it moves the Hope Scholarship, which we've talked about on your show a number of times. Mm -hmm. It moves it from its own scholarship program under the Family Empowerment Scholarship. And so when you put all this together, what it does is dramatically improve, uh, the, the op simplifies things and it dramatically improves the number of students that are going to be eligible for the various scholarships. So it's a uh, it's a really good bill. Oh, that sounds great. Now, last time we talked, you were concerned about the Hope Scholarship being restricted to only those who are uh, poor, that are needy, as opposed to those that might be bullied. Uh, any update on that? Yeah, we've been assured uh, by uh, the sponsor and by, um, actually, by, by Commissioner Corcoran, that by moving it over uh, underneath the Family Empowerment Scholarship, which in and of itself has a requirement for uh, poverty, uh, certain poverty levels uh, that that the Hope Scholarship moved into that is exempt from that requirement, so that it still is fully applicable to any parent who has a, a bullying incident or threat intimidation incident, irrespective uh, so, of irrespective yeah, of their economic standing. So that's that's really yes. outstanding. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So, and uh, we have also been talking about pornography in uh, some of the school literature and some of the textbooks that uh, kids are using. Any update on that? Uh, yeah, some exciting news. Uh, we've talked in your show about uh, getting the bill filed in uh, in the Senate. Uh, Senator Anna, Mia, Anna Maria Rodriguez filed the uh, Senate Bill 410 uh, back about three weeks ago, and so um, she's a mom. Um, very. Uh, when we talked to her and explained the bill, uh, she surprised both Pastor Rick and I. She jumped at the opportunity to file and, and champion that bill. Uh, well, now uh, we've been uh, sorting out the, 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 the who's going to file it in this in the House, 
And we now have a, a mom, uh, Linda Cheney, Representative Linda Cheney, who's filed the bill in the, in the House. So we now have a uh, bill filed in both, uh, both chambers. Uh, you may remember from prior years, it's a game of sudden death. And if you don't get your bill filed in both sides, both chambers, then it dies pretty quickly. Yeah. So we still have a long way to go. But uh, we're, as, as I was mentioning, we're still in the game. We've got it filed. And so now it progresses through three committees in each house. And so we'll be putting out action alerts. Um, actually, if your listeners are following us, yes, uh, on Monday morning, we put out and an actual alert encouraging our, our, our followers to let uh, the senators and the education committee know about this scholarship bill and support it. Uh, so that's the process we have, and we'll be doing that for bills that we strongly support and, frankly, bills that we strongly oppose. So mm -hmm. I really urge your listeners to go to our website, check it out, subscribe, and then you'll get our action alert so you can help influence uh, what's going on up in Tallahassee. Yeah, that's goflca.com. Goflca.com is the website. And while you're there, I mean, the work that uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance is doing is great. I'm a founding member. I uh, participated in the very first meeting. It's just amazing the uh, amount of traction that you've gotten in, in the process of helping and getting good legislation through in Florida for uh, public education. Now, it needs financial support, and you've got a big event coming up. Yes, we do. On February 10th, it's called Celebrating Kids and Country. Um, it's going to be at the Naples Grand uh, because of COVID and some other things. It's uh, limited to 250 people. Uh, we still have about 25 uh, tickets to sell. Um, our uh, speakers um, are uh, threefold. Uh, Senator DeMint, um, many of you may remember him as uh, he used to, uh, he was a senator, obviously, and then he uh, championed the, the Heritage Foundation until he set up his own a new, even more conservative than Heritage, or, Heritage Organization. Yep. And we have General Jerry Boykin. Um, uh, it's it's interesting when I tell people uh, say that name. Sometimes they get a blank stare, but then as soon as I tell them that he was the uh, um, Delta Force commander for Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down, and rose to be a three-star general until Obama relieved him. Uh, people's eyes just pop wide open. Oh boy, that's yeah. that's going to be fun. And then our third speaker is uh, Alvita King, who's uh, Martin Luther King's uh, niece. We've got a great lineup, and again, uh, Linda and I are going to be there. We've got tickets. We're looking forward to the event, and I hope uh, if you're listening right now, Florida Citizens Alliance again doing great job. Very, you know, their staff is minimal. Uh, Pastor Rick and Keith drive out there back and forth to Tallahassee at the, on their own dime, so. They're doing great work. And again, Florida Citizens Alliance, goflca.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob, for the opportunity, and have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. Uh, Michael Cannon is the uh, health, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. 
Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hey, I want to point out Choice Social is a new and refreshing social network introduced to me by a friend, and I hope you'll take a look at choicesocial.us on the website uh, to find out more. It's terrific. I really enjoy it. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. George Markovich, who's an orthopedic surgeon, right? In fact, my, my orthopedic surgeon replaced both of my knees in 2006. Right now we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Unlike Republicans who want to control some, part of your li- some parts of your life and Democrats who want to control other parts of your life, we at the Cato Institute are libertarians. We want you to be able to control all the decisions that affect your life. Uh, and we advocate for individual liberty in all areas of public affairs. Well, that certainly is refreshing, and you've got all of my support on that, Michael. So uh, right now, as Director of Health Studies, we're seeing the number of cases drop. Uh, the CDC is now recommending, hey, so let's send all of our kids back to school. Any thoughts about all of this? Yeah, this is very encouraging. You know, this is going to happen eventually. Eventually, the number of cases are going to to drop. We don't know if this is the final drop. It probably is not. Uh, and there's a real risk here that as people hear that the number of cases is falling, uh-huh. that they will stop doing the things they have been doing in order to contain the virus, and we may get another surge. So uh, I don't think it's time for, to, to give up on the level of vigilance that people have been uh, displaying already so far. Uh, that will come. It's just, we're just not here there yet. Yeah. And so while Super Bowl Sunday is coming up, mm-hmm. you might be tempted to go to a party with a lot of people you don't know. Maybe best not to do that this year. You can have you know small Super Bowl parties with people that you uh, have been um, uh, that you know have been uh, uh, social distancing, quarantining, and so forth. Right. And uh, and we don't want to have the same sort of thing happen at, uh, at, with the Super Bowl that happened at Thanksgiving, that happened at Christmas, where uh, people uh, got together with folks who. Uh, they don't usually associate with, and that helped to spread the virus and help to yeah. uh, create some surges. And same sort of thing applies to schools. You know, this is welcome news that the Centers for Disease Control is saying again that you can open schools, this time they're saying without vaccinating the teachers first. You and I discussed this before in Florida. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot more schools that are open in Florida than where I live in Virginia. Uh, but even... As the CDC says this, they are saying you can safely reopen schools without vaccination, uh, without vac- vaccinating the teachers, but you still need to take other precautions like masks, like keeping distance between, between kids and so forth. So uh, this is great news, but we still got some work. And, you know, well, we've had our schools. It was mandated by the Commission of Education Florida since the, uh, all brick-and-mortar schools, public schools, must open. August 31st. Now, that's been the case. The parents had a choice whether they wanted to do uh, at-home learning or learning at the brick-and-mortar schools. Now, we're up to 80% of attendance. And right now, the, the cases, of course, they, we've had some. I think a total of 570 cases out of 50,000 students in Cuyahoga County Schools, over 53 uh, schools. So you can see we've had cases, but they've been minimal. And I'm not even sure if any of those have been hospitalized. But the point being, 
uh, minor risk for the good health of our students, for kids. And I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, some kids are going to learn in spite of the educational process. Others need supervision and direction, and they're not going to get it at home. So, or, or the minimal chance that they get all, that what they need at home. So I think it's good news for, uh, for kids so they can get back to school. Here in my home, we got a microcosm of what you're talking about. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I have three children, uh, and uh, two of them are in uh, second grade, and one of them is in sixth grade. And not all of them are, have adjusted equally well to at-home learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my wife and I both work, which makes it difficult for us to provide the support that uh, that they, the kids need uh, when they're having those facing those challenges of at-home learning. And part of it is just being around your peers and seeing them do things and you wanting to uh, uh, to join them in in do, doing what the you know what the teacher asked. Yeah, they both the teacher and your fellow students can be uh, not just emotional support but guardrails to help guide your behavior. And it's it, it, it's hard to repro- for to working parents to reproduce that at home. Kids need that that kind of support that's really more subtle than I uh, uh, recognized yeah. before this whole thing began. Yeah, and I'll also mention that masks, I think, are an important part, and not having masks is an important part of learning. We learn so much about the nuances of smiles or frowns or whatever it might, facial expressions. That's all part of the learning process. My concern is... Uh, you know, if the cases drop, you're going to hear this message where, look, well, masks are working. We've, we've, we've reduced the number of cases. And if they, and if it does, if cases go up, they'll say, you got to wear your mask because, uh, because we have problems, uh, with, uh, with coronavirus. My point is this, I've said this before, but I don't think masks really contribute one iota to preventing the spread of the disease, especially among kids. And they shouldn't have to wear masks at school. Well, here's, here's how I viewed that. The. Uh, the requirement that kids wear masks at schools is uh, uh, is really substantively no different than requirements that kids get vaccinated before they come to schools for other diseases other than the coronavirus. It's no different than other dress codes in terms of uh, a requirement that they place our kids. You're absolutely right about reading facial expressions. I think that's, uh, that, that's an important downside of of wearing masks, uh, but I don't. But two things: I don't think this is permanent. I don't think we're going to be asking kids to wear masks forever. But there is something else that we need to keep in mind as we're making our way through fighting through this pandemic, and that is, this may not be the big one. Mm-hmm. There may be another virus that emerges from pigs, from chickens, instead of from uh, bats. That that is uh, more transmissible, more deadly. Many epidemiologists do worry about this, and so we also have to look at the activities we're undertaking now as uh, perhaps a dry run. Yeah. For the for even greater uh, measures, we would have to take for a more deadly virus. If you look at what has happened in uh, Asian countries uh, uh, like South Korea. Uh, that have that uh, went through a SARS outbreak uh, a few years ago. They were much better at getting that uh, getting this virus under control than we have been in the United States. They acted much more quickly because they had this dry run they had already been through. Yeah, and so we are right now. Uh, I, I think when it comes to ch- children, I think it there is value in the fact that we are getting them to take this seriously because if there is a more deadly virus that comes down the road, uh, we can just say, okay, time to mask up again and, and take these other steps and it will have become ingrained and we will be able to save more lives as a result. Now that, that is, that is guesswork, uh, that, that is projection into a, a projecting into an unknown future and an unknowable future, but there is that potential benefit of, Uh, of, of that that's it yeah that said uh, i would i would my retort to that would be you know those uh, possibilities have existed in the past they exist in the future 
In the meantime, we need to live our lives, and uh, it's not normal to be wearing a mask, in my view. So uh, we have our, our immune systems, and then we need to count a lot more on that and a little less on <laughs> public health officials. Michael, I would just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I encourage our, our listeners to go to cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Take care. My pleasure, indeed. All right, good discussion. Uh, whoops, what did I do there? I pushed up the wrong button. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting the former Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us my orthopedic surgeon, Dr. George Markovich, who replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful he did. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. So, uh, Dr. Markovich, we're seeing a reduction in cases right now in terms of uh, coronavirus. Uh, how's that affecting what's going on? What are your thoughts about all that? Well, I think that uh, certainly um, it seems like it's a lot of ups and downs and a lot of information that's difficult to comprehend that's coming out of these uh, sources, you know. Um, I think that the cases go down because there's enough people either getting vaccinated or having been exposed to the virus. And the testing, despite being flawed in many ways with a lot of false positives, is reflecting what usually happens, what always happens, what must happen with every uh, pandemic, every viral illness, every type of situation like this where the ripples in the pond dissipate, cases go down, and... Uh, the society moves beyond um, this pandemic. And that makes sense. And uh, so, in other words, we're kind of getting this herd immunity. And uh, we've had, I think, in Collier County, we have a population of about 360,000 folks. We've got, I think we've had about 30,000 positive uh, cases or positive uh, tests of coronavirus, that would indicate, you know, the, the number of p cases that have not been recorded is probably a, f a factor of, what, five, eight times, eight times that? 
Yeah, so these are, uh, there's many tests, but the polymerase chain reaction tests keep cycling uh, through certain um, uh, times, and you eventually get either a positive or negative figure. Anything over 30 uh, is clinically insignificant because it means that the cycle has gone to the point where it's picking up more than perhaps just the virus, antigens, pieces of the virus, genetic material, background noise, things like that. So, you know, these, these positive tests, many uh, can be misleading. Mm. And so I think it's important that we keep things in perspective. When somebody who's 95 years old succumbs and passes and they have exposure to coronavirus or COVID, uh, they died as many people do, yeah. <laughs> as everybody does yeah. in time. And uh, they died uh, perhaps being exposed to COVID, not as a result of COVID. Right. So much of that going on. So, doctor, uh, you're an orthopedic surgeon. You have patients. Are, are you finding that patients are putting off uh, some of the needs and some of the health, surgery or the uh, support that they need because of fear of coronavirus? So we've seen that. I think there's a lot of fear. Uh, there's fear mongering, and it's hard to keep things in perspective for yeah. people and, and, and you know, uh, allay their fears when all they hear beyond the confines of my office or exposure to me is, you know, this uh, type of information being uh, propagated. I think a lot of people are realizing that, <clears throat> you know, there's risks in the world, and if they mitigate their risks, uh, this along with many other things, every time they get in their car, every time they, you know, uh, go up and down stairs, uh, things are probably going to be okay. Yeah. And so we were closed down for three months. Uh, we treated people only with emergencies. People have emergencies. They break their bones. They, you know, have horrible, terrible pain that needs to be addressed. We're doing our best to keep people safe and healthy and keep things uh, where they need to be in terms of this disease. You know, the, the rate of flu has gone down precipitously. Mm -hmm. uh, other things have gone down. I'm concerned uh, from a societal standpoint of what, this, what the effects are from this uh, overemphasis on this particular respiratory virus. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, it, you know, life is going to go on, and I think the the fears will be perpetuated, quite frankly. If we're not going to be fearful of this, it'll be climate change <laughs> for sure. It's just unbelievable. So, you know, I just encourage our listeners, if if you have uh, sore joints, if you have a problem, uh, Dr. Markovich is so helpful to me. I, he replaced both of my knees. By the way, kept me uh, under, uh, we, we worked together for a couple of years trying to keep me uh, out of pain. And finally, the pain just wouldn't quit because of uh, I was at the final stage where I needed my knees replaced. I said, please, doctor, replace my knees. And he did, uh, aside from growing it about a quarter of an inch or half an inch, because <laughs> I, I, I'm no longer in pain and I'm in from my knees. And I'm so grateful for that, Dr. Markovich. I encourage you to call Dr. Markovich's office at 482-5399, Doctor, always appreciate uh, your help, support, and uh, information here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a wonderful day. You as well. Thank you. Dr. Markovich is skiing right now in Colorado, so I, I woke him up early, and I, <laughs> I feel a little bit bad about that, but nevertheless, it's, it was great to have him on the show. All right, coming up. We're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett. He's the former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity maximize your tax deduction support your favorite charity and help a local child in need by calling naples auto donation center naples auto donation center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer just call nadc at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there 
You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website NADC. NADCKids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Bob. It's always nice to be uh, with you on a uh, chilly Thursday. Is it chilly out? I haven't been out yet. Oh, is it ever? Oh, my goodness. It's it's, it's the coldest that I've felt in a long time, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but our, Because our heater came on last night, which it never does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it looks like it's beautiful out anyway. Yeah, well, we can't complain. Like I guess big snowstorms going on up in the northeast, so we should be great. Oh, yeah, that, and then there's another one coming in, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's um, we're here in Florida, Bob. Yeah, and we're grateful for it, for sure. So, hey, uh, our local grocer, uh, Seed to Table, he's getting a lot of press right now. <laughs> Well, you know, last night, um, Chris and I, uh, like it or not, we watched Lester Holt and and um, and the NBC, NBC Nightly News, um, and we have for years. You know, it's just a habit. So, and um, so all of a sudden, this thing comes up, Naples, Florida, uh, and the mask issue, um, and here's someone in Naples, Florida that's telling his people he absolutely don't have to wear masks in his store and whatever, and they showed... They had Alfie, okay, uh, and they interviewed. They had him. They had someone there from from MDC Nightly News, and then they interviewed Alfie. Alfie says, "Listen, I've never worn a mask. I'm never going to wear one." Um, and they said, "Well, what about your store? You can whatever." And he says, "Listen," he says, "People want to wear a mask in the store. They can wear. It. They don't want to wear one. They don't have to wear one." And uh, uh, it was just. It was. I, I want to tell you it was comical, but boy, you want to see the uproar that kicked up. Yeah, I can only imagine. You know, I have to say, see the table is probably the happiest place in all of Naples and all of Calumet County. And when you go in there, there's no restrictions or anything like that. People are happy. Went up to Alfie and introduced myself. He shook my hand. <laughs> He's, yeah, yeah. It just uh, it, so it's it's like it's like another country in some ways. And uh, yeah, some people are wearing masks because they're fearful. But they if if uh, they don't want other if they want everybody to wear a mask, seat to table is probably not the place to go. But you know what? It's hard to find a parking place there. It's pretty darn popular. Well, you know, I I, I would I would say to you that um, that you, part of that I agree with. Part I don't. Um, I, I mean, we don't care whether people wear masks there or not. We do, okay, because we do when we go into into stores or businesses. Period. All right, but we were there on, uh, I don't know, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we were there Sunday morning around ten thirty, and I would say it was about fifty fifty. Okay, uh-huh. uh, uh, some with, some without, but everybody was like that, happy, uh, shopping, smiling. Uh, uh, the, the, the store is beautiful. I mean, his, his food and his produce are, are just incredible. Right. And, uh, Alfie just goes about his business. Yeah, he does. Pretty, uh, he's actually pretty available for an owner. He's just out there all the time. So it's, it's great yeah, to see him. And, and then they said with, um, with, um, uh, Shepard Smith last night, uh-huh. he, he, on his show, I guess that his headlines were shocking uh, news out of Naples, Florida, and you know went through the through kind of the same thing. So <laughs> it's like, man, talk about shocking Naples, uh, Naples, Florida. Yeah. So so what was tell me tell me about the reaction? I, I needless to say, I don't watch Shepard Smith or or Lester. I don't. Holt. I don't. I don't. I don't watch Shepard Smith. 
um, but it was on a on a blog. Oh, I see. So, uh, t- so tell me how Lester Holt re- uh, responded to all this. Well, um, it, you know, Lester didn't. Lester didn't. It was somebody else that was um, that was kind of doing the story. You know, was there interviewing and everything else. And uh, you know, Lester takes it in stride and then went on to something else. I mean, they they didn't belabor it. It okay. was there. It was pictures. It was they were showing the store and it was, we were thinking. Man, that store is beautiful. <laughs> it really is, uh, Mr. Mayor. So uh, the other thing, though, he's filed a couple of lawsuits, and uh, I guess been a couple of favorable rulings in his favor. Yeah, I know he he had one, and, and I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, Bob, that uh, when the school district pulled uh, their, he had like a $5 million contract with them yeah. for food, and then they, they pulled it on him, and then he immediately sued them. I don't know what any of the results are because I don't I don't follow it unless it's in the paper and I don't. Chris is the only one that reads the paper, so yeah. Um, so I, I I don't know, but uh, I I would have thought in that particular one that he would have won it and have no no legal expertise in that at all. I just it just sounded like hey, you can't just you know unless you have really good grounds to do that, you can't just yank somebody's five million dollar contract yeah, for, from them. Actually, I recall it being something like twenty million. Uh, providing uh, the food to uh, the the uh, school district up in Lee County is it was my understanding. Right, right, right. And uh, apparently, he said, you know, this whole uh, uh, coronavirus thing is a hoax. <laughs> oh, he said that last night, by the way. Oh, did he, he really? Said that on he said that on TV last night. Absolutely, he says this is this thing is a hoax and uh, and uh, whatever you know the other things that he says and what political, uh, political it's a hoax and and. Um, Whatever, yeah, he said it all. Yeah, he doesn't pull any punches, does he? <laughs> no, I can just imagine today. And they were they were saying, yeah, we don't understand why they can't do anything about it, you know, meaning the local authorities or whatever. Why hasn't anybody done anything? And um, I don't know. We didn't get they didn't get into that, but well, apparently so there's there's been eight, there's been a, uh, sorry, go ahead. yeah there's been eighteen citations apparently or or, or complaints about uh, businesses not enforcing the enforcing the mask mandate and there's been several of them of those eighteen at seed to table apparently though uh, recently at least uh, there's there's been no fines and no repercussions so maybe uh, maybe the commissioners are basically saying or city council in the case of Naples are saying you know what uh, we're just trying to encourage people to wear masks but we're not going to we're not going to uh, hurt business people because of it. Right. Exa- well, that's exactly right. So, you know, um, and, and I think that, that there, there are people that go into, into uh, uh, seed the table that really aren't, fam- aren't, are not familiar with any controversy or anything. They, they pretty, they, they wear their masks, you know, because they don't, they don't, you know, it's, I mean, it's just a matter of they do it. And then there's those that know that they don't have to and nothing's going to happen to them and they feel comfortable without them. So, you know, what, what do you say? Look, I went there to get my groceries. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. But he, and he has great produce. And uh, he's really one of the things that what he what he brings to the to, to the uh, community is just outstanding. I, I guess he grows his own, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he, it's Oaks Farm. Sure, he has a uh, huge produce farms and everything. And uh, he, his, his, um, you know, his dad. We we knew his dad. I knew his dad, Frank, for many, 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 many years. Uh, terrific guy. And we knew that we knew a lot of the cousins and, and nieces and nephews because they they um, kind of grew up right around near where where we were living and where our kid. You know, they all knew our kids. Huh. So. It was like it's not somebody out of the clear blue, but Alfie's always had a had a vision of his own. Let's put it that way. Oh, absolutely! And uh, you know, I knew his dad. I, I was a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I had the co-founder on earlier this morning, and his right. Alfie's dad was a founding member as well. And I had a chance to meet and talk with him just a few months before he died. And his death, as I recall, was very sudden. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't remember exactly, but um, yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, but a, but a good guy, and uh, and and as I say, they've built an empire out of it. Uh, Absolutely, uh, we like we like his little Oaks Farms down on Davis Boulevard. 
Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go down there. No, but there's, it has another place on uh, 41. What was it called? Uh, yeah, Food for Thought. Food for Thought. That was it. Yeah. So it's right. A great right. place as well. But yeah, and I mean, and they're all they're all the same. I, um, uh, as I say, he's he'll be a subject of of uh, of controversy for as forever because he does his own thing. <laughs> he sure does it. He has strong feelings, and he's willing to share them. So yes, he is. <laughs> and so, any good scoop in Naples? Um, well, I know they had a, they had a long meeting. Another one. Uh, uh, yesterday or two of them, I don't know. I one ran into the other, and I wasn't really paying a lot of attention. Shame on me for being your news correspondent for the city of Naples. <laughs> but I do know that the mayor was skiing uh, in Vail during the busiest uh, week of the year, which is always nice to know. Yeah, uh, I th- I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> you heard. <it. laughs> well, you know what? So, it, it, what? When when she's away, perhaps things are mo- moving smoothly in Naples. I don't. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> well, that could possibly that could possibly be it because the vice mayor had to send a letter up to Tallahassee because she didn't know how to do an electronic correspondence out of Colorado or whatever. So uh, anyway, so business went on, and uh, you know, obviously, season is here. The traffic is brutal, um, but the restaurants seem to be thriving. And uh, hey, Bob, have you? I know we're out of time here. Have you? Um, have you been to a Lake Park Diner? I haven't. Well, I have not even familiar with it. Hmm. Oh, you, 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 you and Linda just absolutely have to go uh, to Lake Park Diner. It, it, and it's not a diner. I mean, it is and it isn't. And I have a lot of trouble explaining to people exactly what it is. But look up the menu because it's a lot of healthy, really good food. But oh. it's a very, very unique experience. And they're located right on Seventh Avenue North, uh, right off of Forty One. Um, Right behind Dairy Queen, um, but it is a neat place, and it's called Lake Park Diner. Lake Park Diner. I appreciate that. Well, just a little reminder that, of course, the uh, car show is going on. It starts tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, runs. Uh, it's in right downtown in in Naples on Fifth Avenue South. It's closed down. It is tomorrow, is it not? What What? the uh, car show for benefiting? Oh yeah, it sure is. Absolutely, and uh, that does draw some people. I'll tell you what. Yeah. (laughs) But it looks like they're going to have a really, really great weekend for it, and uh, you get a chance. You know, people should go down there if they if you've never been. It's absolutely, absolutely worthwhile because you'll see some automobiles that you'll never see again. Yeah, I talked These to these are collectors' cars. Yeah, absolutely, uh, the president of the Ferrari Club here in, in in Naples told me that one of the cars that's going to be there is, has a value of fifty million dollars. Can you believe that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it either. <laughs> Man, it must be a must be a uh, eighteen karat gold. The whole thing. I don't know what would make a car worth fifty million dollars, but most likely, on a serious note, it's probably a one of a kind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's going to be hundreds of cars there, and uh, each better than the next. So you do need tickets though this year because they have the uh, mask mandates and uh, right. distancing right. and all that. So. I think uh, you can go to stmatthewshouse.org is the website. I think you, there's a place there to get tickets for it because it is for the benefit of St. Matthew's House, which is, by the way, a terrific organization right here in Collier County. They they really are. Uh, they they just do so much for this community. And uh, I think you get tickets down there. Last year, last year it was on camp. You could get them at Cambier. They sold them in different places, so you... You can get one down there as well. So that sounds good, Bill. Well, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show, and I hope you give our best to your lovely wife, Chris. Well, thank you, and and you to Linda. Chris is sitting here with her ear to the phone, like with me, because it's, <laughs> hello, it's, Chris. You're, you're a little we'll get together. You're you're a little on on the silent side. It's, for some reason or other, I can't get you turned up loud enough. Oh, uh, I apologize for that. Well, Bill, I just thank you so much for coming here on the show. Bob, be safe and speak to you next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I always appreciate your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. Join us tomorrow. We're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Dave Bigo is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Keith Maples is the uh, chief uh, uh, officer of what is the word now? I've forgotten it. But anyhow, he's with the Neighborhood Health Clinic and really look forward to that conversation. As well as Amity Shales. Uh, she is uh, uh, a, a member of the uh, Hoover 
uh, autobiography. She's a co-editor of the Hoover uh, autobiography. Anyhow, I look forward to visit with her as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>